¿qué tal? Welcome to Hello Latino. I'm Olali Jasmine. I'm so excited to welcome Pavel Martinez. He's a first-generation Dominican-American Afro-Latino born and raised in New York City. He's currently working on the global marketing solutions team at Facebook. And one thing Pavel and I talk about a lot in this episode is the lack of diversity in tech. Pavel said he'd typically be the only Black Latino employee in the room, so in an effort to feel more included and less judged, he'd suppress parts of his identity at work. And he wasn't alone. He saw his other Black and Latino colleagues doing the same, so he decided to launch Plural para celebrar la cultura and tell their stories. No more faking and code switching, it's full authenticity. We'll talk a lot about this in this episode. Espero que disfruten esta conversación. I'm hella excited to talk to you. Again, it was that like the LinkedIn post that I posted about professionalism. And when I saw like what you do and realized that you have a whole like podcast and business about this, like I was just really excited. <laughs> so thank you for coming on here. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm a big fan of the podcast. And I the one request that I do have is that you just don't forget about us when you when you make it big. Oh my God. Of course not. (laughs) To me, this is like, this is a community kind of podcast. You know, this is like all of us being, being, you know, part of this, building this platform. Like, it's not just my story that's being amplified. I'm trying to amplify our stories because, you know, like we talk about Latinos look very different, you know, and we come from different places. And I think that's a good segue into the first question I have for you. And that's how do you identify and why? It's so crazy because going back, like I listened to a few episodes of yours and I'm a big fan and I knew the question was coming (laughs) and (laughs) no matter how much I like try to prepare for it, i still always struggle with answering it. So Mm. I'll do my best, but I still struggle with it. So I am a first generation Dominican American uh, slash Afro Latino. That's how I identify. Mm Mm-hmm. And why do you, so why do you have trouble identifying or like, why did you have trouble trying to answer the question? <laughs> trying yeah, to well, dissect this a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, for sure. Um, well, I think I've, I've grown up always identifying as Dominican American and mm-hmm. well, ca- can I curse on here? <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Cardi, Cardi, Cardi B has this great quote, uh, when she was being interviewed about like what it means to be Afro-Latina and she was, um, she said, clearly I'm black. I wasn't, if you look at all my features, I wasn't made between two white people fucking. Right. <laughs> so it's one of those things. It's one of those things that I was like, I didn't, I never thought I had to explain the fact that I was black. I thought just saying that I was Dominican and someone just looking at me, they would assume I was black, mm-hmm. but I think there's just such a big emphasis now on embracing that blackness. So I've been trying to put more emphasis on that by labeling or, or self-identifying as Afro-Latino. Yeah. And is that common? I mean, I don't know your, we'll jump into your background and whatnot, but is that common mm-hmm. throughout your family? Like your Dominican family, do they identify as Afro-Latinos or do they just say like, I'm Dominican? Yeah. I think that's where it really starts. It's in the family where um, no, like I've never heard someone identify as Afro-Latino until uh, mostly like really friends and celebrities started doing it. In fact, if you look at my mm. grandparents on my mother's side, they are very light-skinned. And if you didn't hear them speak, they could pass as white. Uh, I think it, mm. where I got my complexion and more of um, that darker skin tone is more from my dad's side. Um, but even growing up, I remember I would tell, I would, like people would ask me, it's always like a thing, right? Like, where are you from? And I would say, mm-hmm. oh, I'm black. <laughs> right? (laughs) And and my friends were like, no, you're not. You're you're Dominican. So, I mean, you hear that so often and you end up just saying like, all right, well, maybe I'm not black, you know? Um, But then there, I think that self-identifier is really important because it's not how others see you. It's how you see yourself. It's that part. (laughs) (laughs) And like one thing that I've talked about in one of my previous episodes was that our identities are really just a makeup of our experiences. You know, it's like not just race, race, ethnicity. It's like the experiences that we go through. And like for me, yeah, being a Latina is my my reality here. I like love being Hondureña and I rep my Honduran side all the time. But 
it's 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 interesting right because you have to explain like oh this is where honduras is and like this is you know we still speak spanish and sometimes it gets exhausting you're like oh my god like i just want people to know i'm i'm latina like there, there it is <laughs> um but like it changes right and it's it's like a very common thing in our community it's like how do you identify i'm like oh well deep breaths like <laughs> i'm ready <laughs> Yeah, it's it's such a complex question, like you mentioned. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, even even to our own people, we have to sometimes explain it as well. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I never heard the term Latino so much in my family. It was always like Hispano or yeah. Hondureño. Like it, that, those are the two things I heard. And again, like you were saying, like it was mostly like my friends or work. They were like saying, oh, like, oh, you're Latino, you're Latina. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> There's that too. Um, but even our community the, has so term, many identifiers. Yeah, even the term Latinx, like that's brand new. Oh, that's but yep. even even growing up, I've always found it strange that everyone just embraced the term Latino, where in our mm-hmm. language, Spanish, right, everything is well, most words are gender based, right? So if it ends with O, typically male. It's right? all or yeah, it, all masculine, feminine. Exactly, masculine, feminine. So like even. Latinas would refer to themselves as Latino. I've always found that strange. So I'm kind of happy mm-hmm. nowadays that there is the term Latinx that's a bit more encompassing. But even mm-hmm. in my own business, like the mission is to embrace authenticity within the Latinx community. Yo, you should see the DMs that I get are like, that's such a made up word. Stop trying to bucket us. Stop trying to change us. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm just trying <laughs> like, to, chill. I thought it was, <laughs> yeah, like I thought I was being helpful and like including everybody, but. So people just don't yeah. want it. Yeah. No, I know. And I mean, there's a lot of people like I don't I don't say it Latinx. I'm like, sometimes I say it here and there, but like my family doesn't say it. My friends sometimes don't say it either. It, it's so again, it goes back to I think like there's so many identifiers for for our ethnic group that I think people are just like, oh, my God, another one, you know, <laughs> like it's just so many. So but I, I still love the fact that Latinx is being inclusive to to mm-hmm. all. Because you're right. I would, I sometimes say I'm Latino and I'm like, wait, no, I'm Latina. (laughs) (laughs) I have to catch myself. Well, I mean, let's jump into your, your story, your background, your Latinidad. I am so excited. I want to learn all the things about you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Do you speak Spanish, by the way? Sometimes I tend to go bilingual. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, uh, that was actually my first language. Shout out to Abuela for teaching me Spanish. Yeah. Oh my God, your Abuelita. Can we talk about her? Because <laughs> I love her videos. <laughs> I love her videos so much. If you guys, you guys need to follow Pavel because his Abuelita is like the sweetest. I don't even know her, but like she seems like the sweetest human. <laughs> and I just want to hug her and hang out with her. <laughs> Yo, she's the best. Like a little, a little thing to like describe her. She has so much energy and she's 90 years old. She lives in the sixth floor of her apartment complex, whatever we'll call it. And if we ever walk into the building together, she'll be like, all right, Pavel, te veo arriba. And I'm like, where are you going, grandma? She's like, I'm taking the stairs. I was like, bye. Taking the elevator. (laughs) Yo, she's 90. And then all of the, all of the elderly people in her building, I'm not even kidding you. Like this should be like a TV show. She takes them to their doctor appointments. So that they don't go alone. Oh my god! <laughs> Can I meet her? Yeah. Can I meet Abuelita? <laughs> she she yeah she needs her oh uh, she god. needs her like own channel. I think most people follow me just for her actually, and they get disappointed whenever I post something yeah. that's not with her. Oh, we don't want a picture of Pavel. We just want to see the Abuelita. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. You know, I love. So I wanted to uh, to ask you something, and I don't know if you're comfortable with this, but. I anything, saw anything. something you posted. Okay, cool. Well, you posted something about um, how sometimes you still get kind of, I don't know what the word was that you used, but you like kind of hesitate a little bit when showing like your grandma's place or was it mm-hmm. was it like where where she lives or whatnot? Um, yeah. But I, I really want to ask you about that because I, I can, uh, you know, relate a lot. <laughs> and I think some people that, you know, don't have the big, beautiful house, but you would see, well, I mean, you know, quote unquote, big, beautiful house. But I just wanted to ask you about that. Like, where did that come from? And just kind of talk a little bit about, about that and what that means to you. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I I put up a post. I mean, I post my grandma and her apartment often at this point, just because I just think she's awesome. But I think like for me, and we can get into like the background of like, 
what she means to me and all those things. I mean, obviously grandparents are important, but for me, like she represents Dominican culture to me. Like she really introduced mm-hmm. me to what Dominican culture is. Uh, I mean, I grew up with a single mother and my two grandparents and my mom, I didn't start getting close to my mom until like recently, right? Um, now that she's retired, oh, she's really? not working these really long hours. My grandparents really raised me. Um, my, I mean, I remember my grandma, I used to, she used to take me to Dominican Republic twice a year, every summer and then every Christmas. I mean, she showed mm. me Spanish. She introduced me to the food, the music, like literally everything I know about being Dominican, like she introduced me to, even those like, <laughs> those like, those memes, those like funny old recipes of like, Viva Boru cures all. And, uh, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like that was all her. So like, I, I've always wanted to like show people her and really show people the culture and like where I grew up, but I've always been low key ashamed of like taking a picture of her apartment and showing things mm-hmm. like the plastic couches that, <laughs> that are on there, Yeah, which, which when I started posting, it was funny that every, so many people found it so relatable, but what I thought of it was like, these are not couches from West Elm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> or like I showed a picture of just the apartment in general and it looks very small. You know, like she still lives in, in public housing, the project. So does my mom and uh, my grandfather at the time. So it, it's just not the most like, quote unquote, aesthetically pleasing, if you will. But mm-hmm. for me, like that's home. Like it's so us. But for so long, I was ashamed what people would have thought about that aesthetic. Mm. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I heard you talk about that, I, I immediately thought back to my own childhood. And when I used to like, we had like an old car, I can't remember what kind of car it was, but like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to be like, Oh, leave me in the corner, you know, like I'll just walk from <laughs> here. Or like, if my mom would come down, like, it was just like the little things that now I'm like, oh, I cringe at it. And I'm like, why did I, why was I so ashamed? You know, like yeah. that was, that was part of me, but I, I get that. I feel like that's the vulnerability part, right? It's like really putting yeah. yourself out there and like, it still feels weird. Like as much as we're like, we own where we come from and like our families and who we are, it's still like, oh, it's like a little, like you hesitate a little <laughs> bit because it is like hard. It so I just so- appreciated that. It feels so weird, especially in social media era. And it's weird because I work Mm -hmm. for Facebook, but I also see like the potential negatives to anything, right? Everything has positives and negatives to it. But um, Mm -hmm. I think it's really impacted the way that I even think about posting pictures, right? Like there's so many pictures that I put up with my grandma or like I want to put up pictures of my grandma. And I was like, oh, I didn't go to the barbershop this weekend. You know what I mean? Like what (laughs) if what if I'm on Tinder, I match with a girl and then she goes to my Instagram profile and it's like me without a haircut. Like, I can't do that. <laughs> right. But <laughs> it, yeah. it's funny, but like, that's the things that we all think about. It's like, I don't look my oh, best, like sure. I'll post it. Right. But then mm-hmm. I think about, it's just me and my grandma. And then when I end up posting it, that story in my head that I think about, like, what are people going to think of me? No one gives a fuck. They're all focused on her. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, no. No one is so, paying attention to you, Pavel. Exactly. <laughs> We're trying this to see is, your grandma. No, but exactly. it's true. I feel it. Yeah. I feel it. Well, you know, okay, so let's jump into your story because I heard a little bit about your grandma, but cuéntame sobre vos, you know, like talk about from the beginning, like either, I think it was your family, right? Your family's immigration story, your immigration story, and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think my grandma was an interesting start because she is this, even at 90 years old, she's this playful, full of energy, um, always outside, siempre en la calle. Uh, whether it be at church or chilling with her friends or doing something outside, right? I mean, pre-COVID. Um, yeah. And she would always go back to Dominican Republic because for her, um, you know, she would love to visit family, et cetera. Then I think there's this other side of the spectrum, if you will, w- with my grandfather, who was the reason why we actually um, immigrated to the U.S. Um, I mean, they were mm-hmm. both living under the dictatorship of Rafael Trujillo at the time in Dominican mm-hmm. Republic. Um, but I think it impacted him in a much more traumatic way than it did my grandmother, um, especially mm. since he was arrested a few times for like not very good reasons. But um, for example, there there are certain paperwork and documents that you have to like walk around with to, I'm not sure, I think it's to like display you were a citizen there or to, to display that you were in good standing or something along those lines. And 
people get would get routinely locked up for a few days and then get put back out. So he he wasn't a big fan of of uh, the dictatorship. He was always pretty vocal about it, and he always wanted to mm-hmm. give his family better. So um, he he found a way to escape Dominican Republic and make it to the United States. I think he got a visa back in the day. Some like shady shady shit. But shout mm-hmm. out to him for doing it. Uh, I think he went to Canada. And then in Canada, there was this guy that did like U.S. paperwork, some shit like that. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he ended up settling in New York and then bringing the rest of the family over. But one thing, I mean, my grandma, I think the impact that she had on me was just like this huge influence in culture. But my grandfather, Mm -hmm. the big impact that he had on me was this idea around other people's perceptions of you. Um, For example, during this Mm -hmm. Trujillo dictatorship, you'd get more often than not routinely stopped or questioned if you looked a certain way, for example, right? Suspicious, quote unquote. So he made it a point to like always, always dress his best. Um, I mean, even when he moved to New York and he would visit friends, uh, just like, you know, drinks at his friend's house, he would legit wear like a three-piece suit over there. I'm like, grandpa, like, why are you doing this? Um, Like, why are you doing all this? And it was just about like, him trying to impact other people's perceptions so that they don't assume that he's a certain type of individual. Even growing up, he would tell me, um, mm-hmm. like, I would want to grow a beard or I would want to wear a do-rag outside, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he, would, he would tell me, do you see CEOs with beards? Do you see CEOs with do-rags? Do you see presidents doing that? Mm-hmm. No, like, don't do that. So it just kind of like shaped my early perception of what even like a professional was, a professional look. Wow. No. That's really, that's really interesting. I mean, again, I'm like hearing all this and I'm thinking back to like, there's so much, right. That we can relate to, but I was thinking back to my family. They've always been about reputation and image. Yeah. And it's so crazy how like everything that we do as an adult is, it all goes back to our childhood. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny. Cause I see myself and I feel myself so like, what do people think of me? What's my reputation? What's my image? Like, what are people (laughs) saying about? And I always think of those things and I'm like, oh my God, that goes back to my childhood, how my family was always about, you know, like we need to pretend we're like the best family. Like we're like good. (laughs) And we need to like, just like show that we're not struggling with money. Like it was all about how people perceived us. And it wasn't always like, positive. (laughs) Like sometimes it could be very toxic, right. To like not talk about any of the things that you go through, but at the same time, it was, they they were well-intentioned. Like, it was just like, we don't want to come off as that family or like, you know, we need to like, it it was big on like, like that was a big thing in my family. (laughs) Um, and I just, I was thinking about that as you were talking, but and talk about, so where did you grow up? You grew up in New York. Yeah. New York City. Talk about like your, your, your upbringing. Talk about a little, a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. New York City is such a dope place. And I'm sure I'm being biased, but <laughs> uh, like I I've only so- been there once. I need to go back. <laughs> Post-quarantine. Know. Know. Post-quarantine, yeah. You know, it's funny, random bit. I'm actually chilling with uh, Catalina after this. I'm going to go get a coffee with her. No way. Tell her <laughs> hi. <laughs> I need to hang out with her too. <laughs> we'll, we'll I have all selfie. these new friends in New York. I'm like, oh, I need to go see them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, but nah, I mean, New York's such a dope place. I mean, it's one of the few places that is not as segregated, I'd say. Or, I mean, the thing is that, you know, people call New York a melting pot, right? And people typically mm-hmm. think about the melting pot simply as diversity, um, like people, different cultures living amongst each other. But I think New York is one of the only places that there is diversity of income as well within a specific zip code. For example, mm-hmm. Where I grew up, I mean, I grew up in public housing in the projects, right? This low income, subsidized, all of those sort of things, um, you know, food stamps, et cetera. And down the street from me, Macaulay Culkin lived, the dude from Home Alone. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I'm serious, yeah. And like oh, around, okay. around them, in that same zip code, like Jerry Seinfeld lived, you know what I mean? So, I mm. mean, looking at, looking at the U.S., like it's one of the wealthiest zip codes in America. But then my building, it's just like one block, it's it's like, wealthy. And then the other block, it's like this entire building and community living in poverty. So mm. it, it was this neighborhood where there wasn't necessarily that much Latino culture or even like black culture in the neighborhood necessarily. And when you think about the zip code, but when you think about the specific building, when you think about everyone low income, everybody in the building was um, Latino, Latina or, or black. So 
it, within the building, there was his own sense of like really tight knit community where like people knew each other down the hall and throughout the building. And yeah, like I, it's crazy because like I didn't feel like a minority until I sort of left that community and started going to college and like going through like up the ranks in corporate America, if you will. Mm. Where did you go to college? Uh, in Boston. I went to the Northeastern University. Oh, okay. So talk about that. Like you never felt like a minority until you went to college. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I feel I, like that happens a lot, you know, it's just like, oh, talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, so in college, I was, I was fortunate to get a full scholarship actually through a program called the, the Ujima Scholarship. And within mm-hmm. that scholarship program, there was a small sense of community because everyone in that program was, uh, you know, Latino, Latina, Black, uh, minority, right? So there was a small mm-hmm. community then. But if you looked at like the larger community, um, everybody was white. <laughs> I mean, it was like 5% hi- Hispanic, oh, okay. it was, like another 5% Black, um, but everyone else was white. Um, and that was the first time when I actually really started interacting with white people which sounds so strange and to, <laughs> to actually admit, because we typically talk about it the other way around saying like, how have white people never met black people? Well, I was the opposite. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I went like, yeah. you know, 18 years without like really interacting with white people and actually living with them. So, um, mm. yeah, it was just strange, like being in classes where, so for example, I studied economics and one of them was like economics of crime and they would talk about like these environments, which essentially is like where I grew up. And I don't know, it, 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 like I feel like I had an opinion during some of some of the uh, classes and, and and the discussions that were happening, but I didn't want to raise my hand because I didn't want them to be like, "Finally, oh Propel, tell us where you grew up." You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I could totally relate to that, and it's so funny because I feel like that is actually pretty common with a lot of people in our community. Cause I was the same way. Like I grew up in a predominantly like people of color community. Like it was all low income. All my neighbors were like Latinos of all kinds, you know, like, and I had my whole family. So like grew up around hella Hondurans. <laughs> and then like, you know, if you just go like down the street, you'll see like a community of like a black community. You'll see a community of Samoans. You'll see a community of like Cambodians and like I like grew up with all this diversity, you know, color diversity. And then same thing. I went to high school actually before college. I went to high school because I moved to a different area. Mm. And this high school was like one hella diverse. It wasn't like a lot of white people, but there was a lot of white people where I was like, oh my God, I never had a white friend. Like it was just like (laughs) that kind of, it was really problematic. But I was like, you know, it was like, I didn't, you know, I've never really met someone or like hung out with someone who was white. And it's so funny to think about now because it it's like that happens in the opposite sense, like you were saying. And I'm just like, oh, that's so interesting. Still problematic, but like it's very interesting. And that just shows like from the very from the get-go, there is that separation. There is that like segregation of of people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like again, I'm like trying to brainstorm how do I bridge that gap or like, you know, what can we change? But it's just very interesting. It's like our reality. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And I think that that just because in, in some ways I felt really I felt kind of safe in college because going back to that scholarship group, we had so many we had weekly meetings where we would touch on various things. We had study groups together, but them putting us all in that one program together made us be really tight. You know what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. without that scholarship program and that community that was already there for me. I would have struggled in college because for me, yeah, like yeah. in in that class, for example, where when I felt super awkward, I could go back to that group and was like, yo, can you believe this happened to me? And then they're like, yo, <laughs> that happened to me too. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. but yeah, like I, I really, I feel for people that don't necessarily have that support group that they can go back to and have those really tough conversations and reflections with. Yes. Yes. I mean, I feel like having friends like that, a group like that is, is everything it's key. And there's things that happen. I mean, like talk about like going into corporate America, because that's probably (laughs) (laughs) a whole different story. You don't have to go deep into detail or you can, but you know, talking about lack of diversity, right? So talk about going into corporate America. Yo, corporate America is hilarious. (laughs) And can we touch on professionalism? Because you and I have that in common. And 
It's just funny because <laughs> people have the same thought process on it. Nah, let's do it. It's, yo, corporate America is hilarious because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, all right. So we're working full-time jobs in whatever job we're doing, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. But we're actually working two full-time jobs. We're like full-time analysts or teachers or whatever the profession is. And we're also full-time actors because... <laughs> <laughs> yo, so legit, true. Like, so true. Yo, we're living double lives. Yo, if you really think about it, though, we spend we spend most of our time at work. What, five out of the seven days a week for most people if they do the typical nine to five, let's say yeah. eight hours of the day, sometimes longer. Like I'm, in, I'm right now or for most of my career, I've been in sales. So even after work, mm-hmm. I have to go to sales meetings with mostly my clients are mostly white and that acting continues. And I can get into like what the acting is. Go, but, go uh, for it. <laughs> it, give us no, a little yeah. snippet. <laughs> and yeah. so and like, scene. Go. <laughs> yo, so that would start at like 9 a.m. all the way to like, you know, you get dinner with clients, you get drinks, sometimes you go to shows until like 10 o'clock. So like I don't really get to go, mm-hmm. I don't get to be myself until that train ride back home and when I go to bed. Um and the mm-hmm. acting is on so many different levels, but essentially what we're doing is at least this is this is my personal story and based on my experience in corporate America, it's a lot of people's stories, but <laughs> we we walk into work and we just try to pre- present the most quote unquote professional version of ourselves that we can. Mm-hmm. So for example, for me, like every time I walk into the office every Monday and people ask me what I did during the weekend, I would just say, <laughs> oh, you know, relax, spend some time with family, went to brunch. Oh my God, had this amazing French toast at this restaurant. Meanwhile, <laughs> um, <laughs> uptown New York City, Dancing bachata, salsa, (laughs) smoking hookah, taking shots. If I'm on, like most people, getting lit. If they're post, if most people, if they're posting videos on Instagram, they do it on their close friends group because they don't Mm want to show their coworkers what's really going on. But Mm -hmm. ask the question, like, why am I even doing this? Like, who even? What is professionalism? And like, who gets to decide what it is? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But I think most of the time I was doing it. I was doing it because I didn't see people that looked like me in positions of power in some of these companies. So what I did, I just acted like the majority of the white people acted at work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I thought mm-hmm. that that was acceptable and I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be part of that group of just not be different. Yeah. Oh my God. I can totally relate. I, I was literally just talking about this <laughs> with one of my friends because <laughs> I just had a birthday weekend. And of course it was like, my girls and it was just like wild and then like I go to work and they're asking me like how it is I'm like oh it's so fun it was relaxing and then I go with my other friends I'm like oh it was so lit (laughs) and it's just like a whole different like again like conversation but I like I literally thought about that was like sometimes I wish I could just like instead of saying oh that's awesome like I wouldn't say awesome in like a regular conversation I'd be like oh that's so lit or like that's dope you know like that's what I'd say and I'm like why can't I just say that at work (laughs) yeah why why did you say I'm curious why don't I say that at work yeah I'm curious (sighs) you know I've been getting better and it's it's so it's funny because it goes back to the way professionalism was taught to a lot of people I mean the way that was taught to me was you gotta like you know, show up as your best self. And for me growing up, I mean, let me go back. It goes deep. So like for <laughs> us, for Latinos, for my family, we were taught to assimilate, right? Like mm-hmm. blend in, don't stand out. And it goes way deeper than like, just we're, we're immigrants here trying to like figure out, navigate life. Like it's, it's deeper than that. It's like, don't call attention to yourself because yeah. My family is undocumented. You know, La Migra is a real thing. <laughs> so it's like really like blend in, you know? And so I think like I was so used to that, like blending in. And like every time I walked into school, I would blend in. And like at home, it would always be a different, a different like life. Like it would just be like chill and like we can be <laughs> ourselves. But in school, it's like, okay, be the good kid and like get good grades and like don't call attention to yourself. Stay out of trouble. It was like all those things. Mm-hmm. And so I think like, naturally I've like carried that into every aspect of my life (laughs) and like I'm slowly right now trying to like unravel that and like start showing up as my real self which is why I wrote that like LinkedIn post but it's really been a process of showing up as my real self and like slowly being myself at work 
And, you know, I feel like I've done a good job and luckily I have a great, a great company where they welcome it. Even though sometimes I'm the one that feels awkward. I'm just like, oh, you guys don't know what lit is. Okay. Let me explain. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think it's just that, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I feel so like out of place. Like, I don't know if you also feel this, but sometimes at work, like they would say like these sayings that like, I guess are, I don't know, part of their childhood. It was like, it's little things like, oh, what's one that just happened? It's like fog on a mirror, something like that. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> like there's what? there's different things that they say where I'm like, I don't know what I don't know what that means. And I would like DM one of my friends. I'm like, do you know what this saying <laughs> means? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> but like it's just little things like that where I'm like, I just feel so different sometimes, you know? And like, how do I how do I embrace my my uniqueness and how do I just show up like they say fog in a mirror, like it's nothing. I'm like, I can say lit then, I can say dope, but like Sometimes yeah. I feel like they would see me a certain way. And I think that's, again, it goes back to the image and perception and just like my urge to wanting to blend in, but my now urge to try to be myself. Does that make sense? It's like a constant battle. <laughs> yeah, it's so difficult. And I think you mentioned an interesting point. It's like, uh, what will people think and say potentially, right? It's mm-hmm. a story that we tell ourselves because there are real situations, which I can also get into around microaggressions that happen at work, right? Like you can build up yeah, this courage to it. Talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I mean, you could build up the, you know, the, the strength and the courage to be yourself, which many people may think I'm being extreme when I say like courage, but it takes a lot of courage to be yourself. And, no, it and does. Then, when, yeah. then when you are yourself, then you get crushed with sort of just like these microaggressions and negative feedback. And then you're like, all right, well, I'm not going to be myself because now I'm being discriminated against. I mean, there are, mm-hmm. you know, in having conversations uh, with, with different people in, in the community and like, you know, why aren't you being yourself? You know, people tell me, well, you know, Latinos, for example, have some have very curly hair, right? And for a long time, mm-hmm. curly hair has been deemed as unprofessional. I mean, even going yeah. back, like I've never seen my mom with her natural curly hair. At this point mm-hmm. in her life, like she's used that iron straight on for so long, she's not curly anymore. Because she would do it every single day to go to work, right? Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. it wasn't until it wasn't until quarantine when I started growing my hair out, and I was like, "Oh shit, I got curly hair, mom. Do you have curly hair?" <laughs> <laughs> and she You're was like, like, "Oh shit, <laughs> hair flip and everything." <laughs> Yo, right? And she was like, "Yeah, but it's just one of those things that we've just been trained to to say to to understand that, or to to we've been trained to understand or to know that." a lot of ourselves isn't professional, right? Um, so going back to the, the conversation mm. that I have in the community, you know, I, I, our friend Catalina, actually, we had a conversation and she was like, yeah, one day I walked in with my curly hair and my, and my friends, I'm sorry, my coworkers, my white coworkers scheduled a meeting just to tell me that my hair was unprofessional. Mm, yeah, she told me that. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> a, a, imagine that, how awkward that is, just like being in a, in a setting, just like with your coworkers who you're supposed to trust and, you know, they're supposed to help you, et cetera. And they're like telling you this. Um, I mean, there's so many other mm-hmm. situations where like, I've, I, you know, I've been labeled as aggressive <laughs> before. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, and, I, and I've told this story before as well, but it was just this, it was a situation where I essentially just disagreed with a colleague and there was just like, shocked that like someone disagreed with them because like you know we're all supposed mm-hmm. to agree think the same way um and during the midst of conversation someone else got loud so i got loud back and uh after that you know out of all the people i just got labeled as aggressive but i had a really interesting conversation with my therapist about it and she was like pabel were you being did you have a loud tone and i was like you know what maybe i did and she was like that's okay think about why you know have you ever felt unheard mm-hmm. by your teammates and I was like, yeah, all the time. And she was like, well, actually, it's been said that people that are using a louder tone, that's the voice of the unheard. The only reason that you're being loud is essentially because you wow. haven't been, felt like you haven't been heard by your teammates. I mean, there have been so many situations where like, I say something in, in a meeting, no one listens. Some white dude says something, the same exact thing with like less data to back it up. And they listen to him. And I'm just <laughs> and like, everyone's like nodding their head. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's just so many instances like that where where it, Mm-hmm. forces us to like double think or even like censor our sh- ourselves a little bit um what we're about yeah. to say well shout out to therapy because therapy is amazing oh. and i've i've benefited from therapy a lot like talk about freaking healing like <laughs> they Fox. they read you man like they hella read you <laughs> 
facts. It changed, changed my life hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Well, I was going to mention, speaking of quote unquote professionalism, one thing that I've noticed when it comes to like women, for example, I have a very curvy body, which a lot of, I mean, women have different bodies, like it is what it is. And so for me, sometimes I'd feel like hella ashamed to show my curves because it's seen as like too sexual. Right. And like, sometimes I'd go into the office and I'm like, Oh, am I too curvy? Am I showing too much? And like, like literally things like that. And I think back to like school, like spaghetti straps, like it was inappropriate (laughs) because you know, shoulders. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, like things like that, where like even women in the workplace are conditioned to like hide parts of themselves, their bodies. It's not like we can hide, (laughs) you know, like how we look like and how we were born. But I remember I'll tell this one story, but it was one of my jobs and this woman walks in and she has, I literally see nothing wrong with her. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I love her outfit. That was literally my first thought. And that's what I told her. I'm like, girl, your outfit's so cute. She's like, thank you. And then, you know, she does the interview. And then I overheard the, the, the ones who were interviewing her, I heard them talking about the interview and they were like, did you see what she was wearing? It was so inappropriate. And like her boobs were showing. And, and I was like, no, they weren't like, she just had like, she had, I mean, those are boobs. Like she has boobs, you know, (laughs) and those are my thoughts. I'm like, what? Like the little things, it wasn't even like about her, her intelligence. It wasn't even about if she can do the job. Like they were literally talking about her physical appearance and why they're not, they're not hiring her based on that. And I just felt it was so problematic. And I was like, wow, like this happens so often. And like, little things like that, I feel like condition people to keep hiding, right. To keep masking themselves. And I'm just like, I'm not saying like show up to work naked or anything, but I'm just saying like, (laughs) you know, you got it. Like people have bodies and it comes in different shapes and sizes. Like, and that, and that to me, it goes back to my, my problem with what professionalism means. I'm like, people really haven't like talked about it. (laughs) And I'm like, we really need to change what, what professionalism means. Because in my opinion, professionalism wasn't created for people of color. It wasn't created for people of marginalized communities because, you know, now we're entering the workforce and we're being, we're, I want us to be the majority, like, you know, (laughs) hopefully like soon, but like, it wasn't created for marginalized communities, especially in corporate America. And I'm just like, there's so much, like there's so much I want to change in terms of what professionalism means, but it just triggered that memory of bodies. (laughs) Yo, I had a, I had an ex actually, um, who I'll just say curvy body without getting into details. (laughs) Um, (laughs) she would bring in a cardigan every single day to work, like a very Mm -hmm. long cardigan, might as well be a bathrobe just to cover her butt so that and it's crazy because she got it from both sides. Like the females would look at her and be like, oh, that outfit, right? But the men would give her like the sexual eye gaze. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like she yeah. literally couldn't win. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a struggle. It's a struggle. And like, I've always, I've always talked about that. Like I've always been curvy and I've always been ashamed of it. I'd be like, oh mm-hmm. my God, people are going to look at me a certain way or like people are going to judge me. And like, it's so funny because I'm not trying to like compare body types, but if someone that was a little thinner and like more, you know, Mm -hmm. like I'm not going to say shapeless, but you know, like just like thinner (laughs) all around, but if they wore a dress and like I wore the same one, like I'd probably look hella like sexual compared to her, like sexualized. I mean, and I'm like, I hate that. Like, Why? (laughs) And like, again, it's just, it goes back to the way our society is and like it affects us in the workplace because I'm the same way. Sometimes I'd wear like big, jean jackets to try to like cover you know like the curves wow. <laughs> or wow. like or like you know baggy baggy like slacks when I did wear slacks luckily I don't wear that anymore but you know like when I wore <laughs> like anything that was work related I try to get it a little bigger and I'm like oh I look even more bigger and it's just like it's a whole struggle <laughs> yeah you <laughs> gotta luckily, spend time like thinking through all those things where you could like actually allocate yeah. that to like doing work or anything exactly that's why I'm like, not that my company now is like that at all. They're, they're very, it's all women. So first of all, I feel comfortable already, but like, <laughs> you know, it's also like, I'm glad in a way that, you know, we're all in like quarantena, you know, we're all like in quarantine because we <laughs> don't have to worry about the things, like the little things that are not important, but like for us, it was in the moment when we were going to work or these meetings or these conferences. 
Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, for so long, I mean, again, I work for, I work for Facebook, so it's like a very chill, relaxed work environment. Uh, yeah. But for so long, like I didn't even want to wear a t-shirt to work. Right. But I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at the CEO, he wears a t-shirt and jeans every day to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, <laughs> yeah. if anything, it's, it's definitely acceptable. But I didn't want someone to look at me and be like, oh, here's Pabell with his street clothes on, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what this reminds me of? Going back to your story is when your abuelito, right? He was like, mm-hmm. do you see, do you see all these other people wearing it? Like, no. Yeah. It goes back, (laughs) goes back to your childhood. So let's talk a little bit more. We kind of jumped into professionalism, which is fine because (laughs) this is like how we, you and I bonded before, but let's talk a little bit more about like your story and your Latinidad. Like you talk about being Dominican, your abuelita. Talk a little bit more about like how your, your, your culture, your Dominican culture has really been a big part of your life. Oh man. Uh, Nah, I mean, it's been huge. I mean, I went I went through certain phases with my Latinidad. I think early on, going back to like early childhood, as soon as I got old enough to uh, to fly on a plane, my grandma took me again to DR twice a year, and I think that really started started to develop my love for the culture. It really like mm-hmm. introduced me to what it was, um, especially just being there. I mean, there was a certain point where, oh, shout out to the fashion trends. Uh, <laughs> I had this. <laughs> Uh, I had this like huge obnoxious belt buckle that I used to like tuck in my <laughs> shirts so it could show it off. Um, nice. It was, like a, it was like a it was like a cowboy belt buckle on steroids, and it was just like a huge Dominican flag. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I mean, I would have that, and then I would have the. Um, it was like a chain or like a dog tag, almost like a Dominican flag. It was like Dominican flag everywhere, and. It was to the point where like I even wanted to move to Dominican Republic. And my mom was like, you're mm-hmm. crazy. You're not moving to DR. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I just I just had like a really strong affinity. And I mean, growing up, I, I fell in love with a lot more things. I mean, specifically the music. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, these days, like I don't even go I even love bachata, dude. Like I love Yo, Dominican music. <laughs> don't get me started on bachata. Oh. You can get started on it. <laughs> There's <laughs> no I, things off limits here. Oh man, I, I love bachata. Um, no, nah, but I mean, like there's before quarantine, like I wouldn't even go to a club if they don't play Spanish music. <laughs> like, <laughs> me me and my boys would go to this spot every weekend um, just because they had a live salsa band. And it was one of those places mm-hmm. in New York. Like it's crazy because New York has such a big Hispanic population, but there aren't that many places in New York where you can actually dance, like actually dance. Mm. like you go to uptown new york like watch the heist dykeman nobody's dancing up there which is crazy everyone's just smoking hookah <laughs> and sitting sitting down <laughs> uh, open up the club do it yo, <laughs> you go to the you go to these spots downtown though um shout out to gonzalez y gonzalez like no tables no bottle service um it's just wide open space and people dancing um it's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing to see but yeah i loved it and then i think what what was sort of the next evolution of that for me is really going back to like embracing the fact that I am black and not being okay with people telling me that I'm not black and not just not being okay with it, but really educating people on the fact of like where Dominicans come from. And it's not just Spain, you know, um, there yeah, is African talk about it. There. For anyone listening, where do Dominicans <laughs> come from? Yeah, for sure. I mean, not that I've taken the answers through DNA tests or anything like that, but just out of what I've been reading, it's like a mix of Spaniards, Native Americans, and Africans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just embracing that and 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 telling people and trying to educate people and hopefully inspiring others to embrace it as well. Because um, mm-hmm. I think we're just all a little bit better off if we know our history and background. Oh, absolutely. And one thing I wanted to ask was about your your mom. So was mm-hmm. it your grandparents that immigrated to New York? And your mom was like, was she young or like? Where was your mom in the picture? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so my grandfather uh, immigrated here first by himself. And then but at that at that oh, time okay. when he immigrated here, my mom was already born and living in DR. Um, so oh, she okay. came over with my grandmother when when my grandfather was had a job and had some sort of funds and found housing to, to, to have everyone live. And then, then they came over. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. And that's when father came. 
That's what Pavel came. Yeah, it, it's so funny when you when you say Pavel too because you said it in Spanish, which I do. Um, I do say Pavel. Like, how do you say it? I like just I automatically said Pavel because it just made more sense in my head. <laughs> but you yo, tell I me. Was, I was just talking with somebody about this. Like, no one ever taught me how to say Pavel in English. Like, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't even know how to like try and say it. I was like Pavel, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, well, that's how I say it, but like no one taught me, it. and I think it's because like it wasn't meant to be said in English, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. But like again, to your point around fitting in, like we when someone asks our name, we just like quickly try to fit in and in, like make it in English, and I'm just like, yeah, Pavel. But like only I say Pavel. Like everyone else says Pavel. You know what I mean? Oh, that's so funny. You say yeah. Pavel. <laughs> the same thing with my first name right like Odalis like it just does not have the same tone when people say it in English like Odalis or Odalis like I'm just like oh like just call me Jasmine <laughs> and that's why I always say I embrace both my names because I'm like you know for if you are a Spanish speaker and you feel more comfortable saying Odalis go for it if you are an English speaker and you feel more comfortable saying Jasmine go for it like please like <laughs> let it be Odalis and Jasmine because you know, I feel like that kind of represents me. I'm like, there is my American side and there is like my Honduran side. So it's like kind of funny, but same thing. I'm like, I don't know how to say Odalis in English. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah. I've, whenever someone asked me, like if, if a coworker would ask me, I would say Pavel. Like I wouldn't force them to say Pavel, but maybe I should. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. And I'd be like, um, my name is actually Pavel. <laughs> Re- rebrand yourself, rebrand yourself. Um, but I, oh, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, if they could say Schwarzenegger, they can say Pavel. I think that's what you, you told me, right? Like you commented that on my post. I think, yeah. I feel like someone said that to me before and it was probably you, but I was like, yes, that's so true. <laughs> um, but I want to jump into, I know we're like kind of at the end, but. I loved hearing about your story, your background, and thank you for really like diving deep into what Dominican culture means to you and what professionalism means to you and being like, you know, I I hate saying minority, but like being someone (laughs) of color in the workplace because it is a reality. It is something that a lot of people are still navigating. So thank you for talking about that. Yeah, of course. And let's jump into our our last segment, our cafecito and chisme, which shout out to Catalina because she was the one that coined this. So, <laughs> um, but tell us about what you're up to now. Like any jobs, passion projects, hobbies, relationships, like dinos el chisme. Oh, you want it. Oh, you want it all. You want it all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll get started with work. I mean, I mentioned a few times, so I work at Facebook. I'm on the global marketing solutions team which sounds very fancy, but I mean, essentially we just partner with uh, very large companies. So very large brands like Fortune 100 brands to help them grow their business through Facebook family of apps and services, which includes, you know, Instagram, Messenger, at some point, WhatsApp. But yeah, that's oh, what WhatsApp. I do. For- <laughs> Shout <laughs> out. Shout out to WhatsApp. But yeah, that's what I do. That's what pays the bills right now. Um, but I recently launched my own brand, uh, Plural, which is part part time well one side is e-commerce where uh it's a lot of products to celebrate the culture which with like apparel and art but the other side which is more which is where i'm focusing my time on mostly is the media side where is really the podcast where i have candid conversations just like yeah uh, with people i have conversations with people in the community around you know this conflict around what professionalism is and and how it conflicts with our, us being our authentic selves, uh, which is a lot about what we talked about, talked through today. Mm-hmm. But I've had so many conversations with coworkers and I tell them my story and they're just like, Pavel, like, well, well they don't say Pavel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they say Pavel, like, we, 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 love that, we love that you're different or like you, your difference is what makes you beautiful, et cetera. And like, you should celebrate that. You should be yourself. And I'm like, you don't get it. So yeah, (laughs) I'm just going to say, I'm like cringing on the other side. He can't see me, but I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So part of it is really to like share people's stories, but also it's like to raise awareness that like a lot of these issues are actually happening because people don't believe it. A lot of these stories Mm -hmm. get untold to HR because they're scared of the repercussions from their teammates or 
um, a lot of these stories are told anonymously on Glassdoor and like these sort of platforms. Mm -hmm. So I want to put a face to the story and I want to be able um, to make sure that we can inspire people to be themselves because it's having an impact on that person that has a second full-time job as an actor, but it also has an impact on the organization and the company that's losing money because like we're not even working half the time. We're like trying to be somebody else. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then what about any other like passion projects or is that your passion project doing the podcast and plural? That is my passion project right now. I mean, before COVID mm -hmm. finished my, I had another passion project going. Um, I've always had the basics of Salsa Down, but I'm trying to be that Ooh. dude that like everyone stops to look at me dance kind of thing. Like I want to be that nice. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> the Salsa Star. Yo, <laughs> from, you, from your mouth to God's ears. Yeah, manifest it. Manifest it. <laughs> Yo, Santo Mio, like, please. <laughs> <laughs> make better the salsa star and then oh. what about you know anything anything else you want to mention i mean we could talk about relationships you can dive into that you don't have to you mentioned tinder and that was about it but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah tell people como se pueden conectar con vos. like yeah how can people connect with you you can follow me on you can follow my personal page on instagram at biceps pa biceps uh on linkedin slash pabel martinez you can also follow my lifestyle brand that I recently recently launched at plural.com. And the Instagram handle for that is just at plural. And you spell plural, P-L-U-R-A-W-L. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. Well, one more thing before I let you go. But I love closing this, this show with a brindis. So if you have your, mm -hmm. your cafe, your cafecito, agua, cerveza, whatever it is that you have, <laughs> um, I want to close with like a virtual cheers and also manifest some good for our Latino community, for, you know, either Dominicans, for the black community, for whatever it is, the community that you want to represent and manifest good for. But yeah, let's manifest some good. What do you want to cheers to? Yeah, cheers to la cultura that we continue to be proud of it and not feel like we need to hide who we are to please other people. Like just embrace who you are and celebrate all the beauty that comes with your culture. Mm -hmm. Well, cheers. It cheers. was so nice talking to you, Pavel. <laughs> yeah, same. Hola, Liz. Gracias, mi gente, for tuning into today's episode with Pavel Martinez. Go check out Plural at Plural.com and follow them on IG too. And check out his podcast, Quien Tu Eres, to hear stories from La Comunidad. You'll probably be hella snapping on the other end. I know I was. Remember to tune in next week for more cafecito and cheesement and more hella Latino love. Follow me on Twitter at Odalis Jasmine, Instagram at Ojasmine with four A's, and find me on LinkedIn. Con mucho amor, amiga Andreña.